Alabama had another scrimmage yesterday. How much did we learn? We're going to tell you. Here we go. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Lockdown Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein, that's him. And Jimmy, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Going to talk about FanDuel here in just a bit. Also, thank you for making us your first listen. And I thank myself for remembering all that at the very beginning. But, Jimmy, we had a scrimmage yesterday. And, frankly, because I know how Alabama fans' minds work, I'm not even sure that was the biggest news of the day. Alabama also got a commitment yesterday from Rico, don't call me Suave Scott. And, um... Big wide receiver. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to let you talk about him because this is a kid from Pennsylvania. Uh, seems like a really good player. Seems like a nice pickup. The staff appears to love him. Um, he uh, he was at camp last year. He earned a um, he earned a scholarship offer there. That that means a lot. As, as everybody who listens to this podcast knows, uh, Bama is big on, hey, come to our camp, no matter how uh, superstar or recruit you are. He is the number 385 player in the country right now. I think that'll go up. He's six feet, 185 pounds from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And the first thing I thought when he committed was crap. Um, and we're going to, that's one other guy, that's one other spot that can't go to Cam Coleman or Perry Thompson's going to flip or whatever. Um, but maybe that's just not the case. And, and also here's the deal. This guy may shoot up the rankings like we think, and I'm not trying to be just a stargazer, but I think that's very fair. I watched his film this morning. He's smooth, Jimmy. He's really smooth. And here's the other thing. He's played a lot of running back as well. So he's very physical. Um, some of his highlights were at the running back position and I, I just like what he brings to the table. So just watching film on in this morning, makes me feel a lot better about uh, taking the commitment of Rico Scott. Yeah, I think anybody that takes the rankings too seriously at this point, again, I mean, I, I work in the rankings industry, and I'm a fan of rankings. And I think the services, in particular on three, I think the services do a phenomenal job with rankings. But it's early. And by that, I mean, there's a clear analogy I use all the time, which is, you know, Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay are doing mock drafts now once every two weeks, and they're going to be pretty dead on. They, they won't be dead. I mean, it won't be 100%, but they'll be pretty accurate uh, with the draft now. We can have away. It, the last McShay do end up being pretty accurate. So what did their mock draft look like seven months ago? And that's what you're doing when you're taking the rankings too seriously today. It's way seven months too early for you to be like, hey, he is literally the 383rd best player in the country. No, he's not. He, he He's going to be ranked as all of the boxes are. That's why they don't do accurate mock drafts until the pro days are over and the workouts are over and the combines are over and they take the S2 test and they go to national all-star games and you've had a chance to review their entire careers on tape and then have – multiple meetings with it. I mean, that that's when teams finish their draft board. I don't know why we have 
college football fans out there that think, oh, well, you can just rank 19,500 high school players in about two weeks and get that accurate. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's an ongoing thing. Also, another analogy, football. Football's a four-quarter game. The rankings, in terms of where the rankings are today, is somewhere around early in the second quarter. So it's no different than saying early in the second quarter that the game's over. No use watching the rest of it. I mean, it's it's over. It's over right here early in the second quarter. And it's not. It's a four-quarter game. Ranking's a four-quarter process. So Rico is going to end up ranked higher than where he's at. Look at the schools he could have committed to. Look at his finalists. And does that look like the number 80 wide receiver in the country uh, who could commit to the schools he could? And as far as, you know, what I think of him as a player, I'll start with what Luke said about he came to Alabama's camp last summer and Alabama offered him immediately. He's been a take for Alabama since last summer. Okay. They liked him. They, they were ready to take him then. And it took him this long to make up his mind. He just spent four days in Tuscaloosa affirming his commitment. In terms of who I compare him to, I think it's his size and where he's from and who he is. Uh, I really like the John Mechie comp here because, like you know, Luke says he's smooth. So was Mech. And Mech was a technician, but also an underrated athlete. And Mech was tough. Remember, we all remember the big block, you know, against uh, Florida, I think, in the, in the SEC championship game. Uh, and, and this kid's tough, like Mech. He's also nearly identical in size. Similar in speed, if anything, he's a step faster. He ran a 4-4 at Alabama's camp, so we know he can run. We've verified it, and he's roughly 6'1", 190, or he will be, you know, when he's a freshman here at Alabama, about 6'1", 190, which is roughly Mechie's size. And who did – where was Mechie from when we signed him? New Jersey. This kid's from Pennsylvania. Who did we beat? Uh, you know, to sign Mechie, Penn State. Where was this kid going if he wasn't going to Alabama? Penn State. Uh, one other about rankings, uh, in the consensus, the the industry uh, rating that On3 does, Rico was the number nine player in Pennsylvania. I went and looked at the, the Pennsylvania state rankings, you know, who's ranked where in Pennsylvania. There's six or seven kids committed to Penn State from Pennsylvania that are behind Rico Scott in the Pennsylvania state rankings. That says a lot to me. Like, hey, this kid's literally one of the best players in that big, high-population state. I mean, he's got kids behind him that are going to the premier in-state institution and, and, and a premier elite program. So he he's a good player. Now, is he Cam Coleman? Is he, you know, Perry Thompson? Probably not, but uh, you're going to sign three or four receivers in a group. They're not all going to be the best receiver in the group. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's just and a good player. And, and and first and foremost, above anything else, Nick Saban wants him. <laughs> so that's that's enough for me. Uh, and I think anybody that just poo-poos it as he's a three-star, what are we doing, is lacking context. you got to know all that stuff. Well, he is a four-star on most services. Uh, you guys at On3 may have him a three-star. I didn't look that up yet. Um, but I know that he is a four-star on most services. And I'll tell you something, just watching his tape, it screams at least a four-star to me. I say at least a four-star. I don't think he's a five-star. So I have no problem saying that. But I think that the versatility 
of being able to play running back. And he, he is last year, he went from playing, I would say, sort of a utility guy, like he was everywhere. And then last year he focused more on receiver, it seemed like. And I think this year I bet he focuses even more on that, probably exclusively at receiver. Maybe they have him in the backfield on occasion, but I bet that's to get him a matchup on a linebacker or something. I don't believe that will be to play uh, running back for any uh, long period of time. Yeah. But no anyway, doubt, no doubt he'll return to camp at Alabama this summer, which is interesting too. He'll, he'll come to camp this summer and probably line up you know, maybe he's in the same camp as Cam Coleman and Perry Thompson, and they're all sort of lined up together. And and then you make an even newer, better eval and eval. And you know, hey, nothing's nothing signed here. But I'm just saying this won't be Alabama's last look at Rico. Uh, they'll they'll continue to evaluate. And uh, and hey, it's 2023, and he's you know Alabama's a long way from Pennsylvania, and I'm sure Penn State's not going to give up. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it should be noted, Penn State has recruited pretty well. They hadn't recruited to Alabama's level, but they've recruited pretty well. So um, let me tell everybody about FanDuel, and then we'll get back to talking about the scrimmage. But I always think uh, a commitment takes precedence. Jimmy, that's just me. Yep. Uh, Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. There's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one in sports book. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. You can bet on things like will Aaron Judge hit a home run? Will a pitcher go over or under on the strikeouts? You can do all these types of things. A lot of fun ways to put a wager in eat for small amounts of money if you want to just to have some interest in the game it's, it's really cool so don't miss your chance to get in on a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up FanDuel official Padna of Major League Baseball um yeah so I also wanted to tell you about uh, thank, just wanted to say thanks for making Locked on Bama your first listen every day. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, we're going to be talking even more about the scrimmage. I mean, look, you, you got to let this thing sort of marinate, you know, afterwards. And you got you to think about it a little bit because I've seen reports like as the scrimmage was going on, talk to people as the scrimmage was going on. And then as the as the day wears on, some of those opinions change because I think people start looking big picture. So we'll be talking about the scrimmage all week long, leading up to eight a this week. Nothing, uh, no, nothing will confuse football fans more than small sample size. Exactly. I'm not making fun of, of people or anything, but there are people like this that they they will see something and immediately draw a permanent conclusion from one snap of a football. They'll see one throw, one play and make up their minds. Well, and, Jimmy, speaking of that, what did you learn from the quarterback play yesterday, or what have you heard that you can learn from the quarterback play yesterday? I think, I think it's clear from reading reports and, and listening to Coach Saban. I, I mean, the, the quarterback competition goes on. I mean, it's not over. It's not even yesterday was a data point, and it was important. And I bet there are conclusions being drawn by the coaching staff today in meetings about the performances of Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and the other two. I'm sure that's happening today, but there's an even bigger data point in six days, and that's A-Day. I, I think that will be 
even more telling. And I think what yesterday may have done is affect or alter or cement Coach Saban's idea about how are we going to do the A-Day format with the quarterbacks? Because it's fascinating, guys. I mean, th this is the question all we – instead of looking back at the scrimmage, what we need to do in terms of to really learn what's going on here is look forward to A-Day in this sense. Nick has played the, – the, the games have the same format for years. The, the, the first team offense is the white team. They uh, – who's going to be the quarterback? I think from what we learned yesterday from the scrimmage and from comments and Nick Saban, I think Jalen Milrow is, is almost a lock to be – the first quarterback to take the first snap with the first team on a day. And, and that's big. Now that's not middle Tennessee. That's a day. Now the question for Ty then is, is Ty going to jointly play with Milrow with the ones is Ty also going to be a quarterback on the white team. So they split reps with the first team or is Jalen going to play with the white team and Ty going to play with the crimson team. That way they both get the same amount, but Ty is playing with the quote backups. For instance, in that situation, Ty's center would be James Brockermeyer. You know, Milrose center would be Seth McLaughlin. Um, I think what yesterday was about is helping make that decision because that decision is huge. I can read too deeply into some things and be wrong but this is the way I would read into that, Luke. That's, I think that's the first clue as to where these guys stand. If Jalen and Ty are both playing with the first team offense next Saturday, then, then we have a tie. We, we have no one ahead of the other. But if Milrow is with the white team and Ty is with the Crimson second team offense, then I think regardless of what Coach Saban says out loud, Milrow is ahead. Is it, does that mean he is destined to be the starter against Middle Tennessee? Absolutely not. So that, that's where we're at. And I do think from reports yesterday that the most fair interpretation of what happened is that Milrow was better than Ty yesterday. Now, what does that mean for Middle Tennessee or for the 2023 season? I would say it means very little. And don't make too much of it. But don't ignore it either. So that's my take. <laughs> I like it. That is the most non-committal commitment that's that's ever well, been. You well, know, but, but I hear you. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm I, I stand by everything I says. I think I think it's as accurate as can be. I'm not making fun of you. I'm saying while I, I guess I did make fun of you, but I'm <laughs> saying that I agree with you because look. The, the reports we've seen and from some of the folks I've spoken to, it does seem like Milrow was better. Okay. Um, but that being said, I, I, everybody still saw some glaring weaknesses in Milrow's game. There were some easy passes that just weren't completed. He had a pick six. Uh, Ty Simpson also had some inter interceptions. One of them was apparently a horrendous one right to uh, Kendall Blackshire, which is, um, you know, strange. And and the way it was described to me was even Blackshire was like, I can't believe I just intercepted this. <laughs> you know? um, and like that was so wild that, you know, it's one of those interceptions where it hits you right in the hand. You're like, there's no way it's coming right to me. Oh, my God, I just dropped it, you know, uh, but he did intercept it. And um, 
Oh, I'll I'm, say something controversial here. This is what set me off. I got a little set off this morning, and it was a late morning. We'll talk about the day on the Strip yesterday. Fascinate, fascinating things on, on the Strip on campus yesterday. But this is what set me off. The people on various boards, not, not Bama Insider specifically. As a matter of fact, I didn't see anything there that set me off like on, on other in other places. The people that seem were about Milrose performance yesterday that weren't there, that didn't see it. That's right. That know more about how Milrow played yesterday than the people that saw it with their own eyes. That'll set me off because that's outrageous. That's outrageous bias that really makes you question what kind of bias that is. I mean, you know. You know, and here's another thing. If you were – I wasn't at the scrimmage, obviously. A lot of people weren't. I mean, it it was a closed scrimmage or closed to an extent that – I wasn't able to attend through the Red Elephant Club. Um, but reading the message boards as updates were coming, and again, people aren't supposed to be doing that, but they do, and that's I'm sort of thankful for. Um, there were some, I mean, there the the inner fan bickering <laughs> and the, the way some people were acting, and like there were some things being said that really turned this into a Milrow, uh, Ty Simpson thing in in the in a way that it's not supposed to be, and yep. um, it, it was just it, it was sad to see. And but this is not a purely Alabama thing, by the way. I've seen this on other boards with other spring games, and it's just it's crazy how these things get out of hand. But um, Jimmy, people make too much. There's negativity on my own board. People mocking uh, Arch Manning had a, a poor day statistically. Yeah. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. So I, I, and I hope to see some highlights. And I'm guessing without knowing anything, I'm betting that Arch, because he's a backup quarterback, may have played with a bunch of backup players against Texas's first team defense. Yeah, that may, that may have happened. And and but people don't care. They just see that he was five of thirteen for thirty yards, and they've decided based on one practice when he was a true freshman that he was only ranked where he was because of his name. I, I only got to see a little bit of it, and of the three quarterbacks, he looked the worst. But that doesn't mean he's the worst quarterback. So, anyway. He was also uh, the youngest. Yeah, that's true. Let's throw this out there, too, um, because you and I and, – and it's funny. You know, I go on a radio show, Doug Amos's radio show in Montgomery every Wednesday uh, on the Locked On Bama segment. And before I came on, there was a question. Uh, they, he said, Luke, well, I just got a text. Somebody wanted you to talk about Christian Story. And I said, let me tell you something. I love Christian Story. Always have. I got to call him in a state championship game. He was a do-everything guy, and he was everywhere. He, like, threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, caught an interception, had led the team in tackles. I mean, he did everything. And I was like, I, I keep waiting for him to have his moment, I, and I'm hoping it's coming. I don't know that he's going to start, but I think he could. Um, and, again, that's sort of a non-committal commit- commitment. But uh, – then apparently he did have a good day yesterday, and we let's not let's save going into it because I got to go to break. But um, I'm, I'm really excited to spend a whole segment on him later in the week, and because I want to go back and revisit some Christian story stuff back from his uh, recruiting, and I, I think people are going to really, really love this guy. I'm telling you, he's a coach's son. Uh, his brother, I think, may still be. Is he at Clemson? Clemson. He, he Clemson. Be, yeah, okay. I really love Christian Story, and I, I hope that he becomes the story of spring this year. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other guys that stood out, one in particular that, uh, man, if you aren't getting excited about this cat, 
you need to uh, work on your excitement stuff. <laughs> God, that was bad. Yeah, I like it. I didn't know I like where it. I was going to go with that. You need um, to work on your excitement skills. <laughs> Justice Haynes, Jimmy. Yep. Justice, Justice by God Haynes. If you have um, a box stock already, it's too late. Yeah, you can't. It, the toothpaste is out of the tube about the way people feel about this cat. And if I'll tell you, I'm not saying this in a real sense. I'm saying this in a kind of theoretical sense. The biggest loser of spring may be Jace McClellan. Yeah, he didn't, uh, uh, you know, per reports, he didn't play much uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, might have got a little banged up or something. But I, I, I know this. Uh, Through no fault of his own, by the way. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 no doubt. I mean, Justice Haynes is clearly – I mean, Nick Saban raved – Nick Saban had a quote yesterday about, well, if you were just sitting on a log and watching, you'd have no you'd have no idea he was a freshman. Have you all been paying a lot of attention to Nick Saban and his comments about freshmen in spring practices over the last 16 years? That is the equivalent of Nick Saban standing on a mountain and screaming, this guy is unbelievable. I mean, that's been raving because – He's not super complimentary too early about players, nor is he negative, of course, publicly. Uh, and I think that's all you need to know. You don't need to know from someone uh, at the scrimmage about what he did in particular. Just know if Nick Saban spent as much time as he did complimenting Justice Haynes when asked about him by the media uh, following the scrimmage. Haynes, you know, Haynes is going to obviously play this fall. It's going to be a significant player in the Alabama offense this fall. I, I think that's pretty obvious right now. Uh, what's interesting, though, is like a Caleb Downs, who by all reports played with the starters yesterday. Uh, Caleb went into a situation where all the safeties were gone. Helms and Battle and Branch, the three leading safeties in the safety room, they all left. No one was coming back with any appreciable experience until they moved Malachi to safety. Okay, so Caleb Downs was going into a wild, and he's made the best of it. He, he, he sh he's showing, hey, I'm probably the best athlete you got, and, and, and you need to make a spot for me because I'm the best athlete you got. No one here has played. Justice has a completely different situation. He's got proven good seniors ahead of him in Jace McClellan and Roydell Williams. They're good players. They, they, they've done good things at Alabama in big games and are very experienced and older, been in the program but Justice Haynes has been so good, he's clearly taking snaps from those guys at some point. He clearly is. And a guy, he's so good, I'm afraid that Jam Miller is, is not forgotten by any means. I assure you the coaches haven't. Jam Miller's really good. Jam Miller is going to be a great player too. And I think one of the interesting things to watch this fall I'm predicting this right now, and if you want, you know, I know, I know, I was wishy-washy on the question about this. I, I think one of the interesting things is, is the carry share. You know how they're sharing carries against Middle Tennessee and Texas in games one and two. I think you'll see Jace and Roy Dell with quite a bit, and Jam and Justice with very few. By game twelve, game ten, game nine, it might be inverted. I mean, it could be inverted with Jam and Justice getting a ton of carries and Jason Roydell getting less. And, and I say that as a fan of what Jason Roydell bring to the table. I think we can win with those guys. I think 
Jace in particular, if he's healthy all season long, I think I would give him a fair chance to make a first or second team all SEC. I think he could be that level of player. But Jam and Justice are clearly different cats. I mean, they're 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 at a different level of just watching the tape of them play. They're just different. And uh they're more in line, I think, Luke, with you know, the Trents, the Mark Ingrams, yeah, uh Eddie Lacey, TJ Yeldon, Josh Jacobs. I think they're in that that groupage in terms of like how good are these guys? They're like that good. And uh so it's very exciting. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. And look, all you gotta do, all you gotta do is watch him a little bit last year. And he was on ESPN a lot, by the way. You don't have to just watch his film. He was on ESPN a lot. And man, if he doesn't scream Mark Ingram with maybe a little more speed, yeah. like in terms of style. Yeah. Now uh, Ingram has already proven himself and has had a, a glorious NFL career. So that's not fair to to either Ingram or to Justice Haynes to say that. I'm just saying style-wise, at, yeah. at their point in their careers, um, respectively, I, I think that Haynes just really st- stood out to me in terms of he runs just like Mark Ingram. He's just a little bit faster. Now, is he going to be as tough? I don't know. We'll have to get in the game and see. But, boy, I'm excited. Yeah, we're in that 22. The I mean, we're yeah. in the 22. It, it's going to be the comparison everyone – and, and, and it's, a good, it's a good solid comparison. I like making comparisons based on size – speed and style yeah you know, size speed and style he is like mark same size probably a little faster not not insane length but probably a little faster at, 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 at the height of mark's career and uh really similar styles uh shockingly physical remember that mark well, i'll always remember mark for luke is is that south carolina game where yeah. It was slipping away from us, and we had to switch Mark Ingram to Wildcat quarterback. And Mark won the game because he was taking snaps at quarterback <laughs> and doing nothing, nothing but running the ball right into the And it still won the game, and it probably won him the Heisman Trophy. I can so easily see Justice Haynes doing something similar because Justice is shockingly physical to be his size. Uh, so that, that's, that's, what's fun about him. Yeah. It's, um, and again, I started this segment off saying theoretically the biggest loser is Jason McClellan, but only because he's been hurt and hadn't been able to, you know, make it a, more of a name for himself, but justice Haynes has give him tons of props because he is taking advantage of this opportunity. Um, and then Jam Miller too. And just very quickly, we'll say that, uh, Will Reichert hit a 55 yarder. Apparently he had a, like three inside the 35, which is great. He did miss a 48 and a 49 yarder. Um, so, I mean, certainly there's some some kinks to work out or whatever. But uh, for the most part, I, th- I think everybody feels pretty good about Will Reichert and probably going to be all SEC, if not all American. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Reichert's. But that, that's, there are things to worry about. Quarterback. I, I would still worry about quarterback. Not, not, not worry in the sense that you cannot win with these guys. I, not, no, no. But worry in the sense that uh, it's clear it's too early, but it's clear no one has run off with the job, which would be ideal, right? Wouldn't that be ideal? If someone was like, holy moly, there's your quarterback. You know, no one's done that. So, so it's fair to be alarmed about quarterback until it happens. But 
if you're losing, you know, anybody losing sleep over Alabama's kicking situation is just going to lose sleep forever over everything. And look, there is a lot more to cover. We hadn't even really touched on Caleb Downs much. We definitely want to talk about Christian Story later in the week. We've got to talk about some of the guys that have gotten in the transfer portal, not from Alabama, but Barry Alexander from Georgia gets in the transfer portal the day of the G-Day game. What the heck is yeah. that about? He's a good player. Um, and he obviously won't be going to an SEC school, I would assume, because you have to sit out a year unless right. you got some kind of weird waiver, which – I guess you can get it. Um, Auburn's lost Jeffrey Imba and Tavares Dawson. Uh, these are two guys that were going to play for Auburn. I don't think they're all SEC caliber, but I think they're good enough to play at Auburn. And I'll tell you something else. I watched some of these other spring games, Georgia included. Georgia is still really good. I know they lost a lot. Good Lord, I was impressed. Well, they're my preseason. They'll be my preseason number one. Easy. I think Georgia's number one until they're beaten. I think one through 85. Uh, I think it's fair to say. I mean, I think you'd have to be a dyed-in-the-wool Alabama fan not to realize or recognize, hey, based on their two national championships in a row, 1 through 85, that's the best roster in college football. Agreed. Uh, Alabama will have the opportunity to prove that wrong this fall, but Alabama has to prove that wrong this fall. Uh, for right now, it's fair to say, hey, it's Georgia. And I'm looking forward to watching some more of these spring games. Um, and there'll be some on tape delay and, and some that I'll get to see uh, through YouTube or whatever, but uh, just watching the, the Georgia spring game and then I watched the Auburn spring game the week before, and I know Auburn's was in a monsoon, and so it may be hard to judge some things. Good grief. I mean, the difference between those those two um, was huge, and it and I was like, gosh, I hope we look as good as Georgia did because I, I, I'm not trying to kiss Kirby Smart's butt too much, but you know, we all get to see next Saturday. And one last thing, I know we got to go because we are running over what, what I want football fans to realize is whatever Milrow, I'm talking about Milrow in particular, whatever he looks like next Saturday, next Saturday, that's who he is. Don't, don't watch him play next Saturday and bring up the Texas A&M game. That was last year that Milrow, like all college players, improve. They get better. We're not going to – if Milrose is starting quarterback, we're not starting the game last year. We're, we're starting the kid that's one year older than that, one year better than that. And had a lot more practices. And, oh, and, and a lot more coaching and, and just a more mature, more ready kid. He's more ready, probably because he's gotten all these reps with the first team now. And, and again, a year older. And – he needs to be evaluated on where he is today, not where he was seven months ago. So- All right, buddy, that's going to do it for today's podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to still be talking about the scrimmage. So y'all stay with us, man. Appreciate all you guys signing up recently. You guys are the best. Um, thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back until then. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide, everybody. Oh, Roll Tide. Yeah, I was just, yeah, man, I never got to my stories about the strip. That's tomorrow. Roll Tide. Strip stories tomorrow.